we thank you, Lord, that you're in this place today. We thank you, Jesus, for the revelation of your presence, for the manifestation of your glory in this house today, Jesus. Lord, I pray that as the waters are stirred in this house this morning, Lord, that we will be cognizant of being able to step in while the water is stirred, Lord Jesus, that we'll be willing, Lord, to break out of the comfort zone, to enter into your presence, to allow you to transition us into what you have for us, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray right now that every chain that has held us back be broken in Jesus' name. Every word that has been spoken over us, every thought that we've allowed to dominate our thought process in the name of Jesus we crash that right now and we look to the author and the finisher of our faith and we recognize that you're the hope of glory you're the hope of heaven you're the hope of our life Jesus and we surrender to you God have your way in this house today Jesus for you are the Lord of glory you are the great I am you are the ancient of days you are you are our Savior our Lord our God our Redeemer and today we surrender and we trust in you Lord Jesus God, we have, Lord, we have your way in us today, Jesus. Have your way in us today, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can you just speak that name, Jesus? Jesus. Jesus. We speak your name, Jesus. At your name, demons flee at your name healing takes place at your name Lord poverty has to be destroyed at your name Jesus Lord injustices have to go in your name in your name Jesus we have all we need at your name we have peace and joy in life at your name Jesus can you say that name once again Jesus say it out loud Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Is he good? Just turn to somebody and say, God is good. Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. I thought I could just shout a little while. Is that all right? Come on. Talk about that Pentecostal fire, man. I grew up in a little church in Belton, South Carolina. It's almost like Greenback. Yeah, there's some Greenback folk up in here. It, did ha- it didn't have red lights. It had flashing lights. We had two of them. I heard that, um, of course, I've been gone for a long time now. I've heard that they've upgraded. They actually have two red lights now and two flashing lights. But I remember in that little town, I remember in that little church, the presence of God showing up so powerfully. And I believe God is not finished. I mean, believe that this morning. God's not finished. He's still at work. The same God who moved back then, the same God who restored and healed and transformed even my life, the same God that transformed your life, He's still at work today. 
We still have hope. We still can recognize that the power of God is prevalent today. Though the tidal wave of the enemy might be coming, though we sense it, we still recognize that God is still sovereign. Amen? God is still sovereign. I was, as many of you and those who have watched, I was super impressed with the publicity of corporate prayer that took place yesterday. Somebody else is like, man, we don't watch NFL. We don't know what you're talking about. I don't watch NFL, but before the game, because of a crisis that took place this past week, the NFL teams joined together at the center of the field, publicly praying. Come on, right? What's crazy was, is last week when the event took place for number three, Mr. Hamlin, that on the air, ESPN, three reporters on air, sat there and one says, I just feel like we need to pause and we need to pray. And right there on live broadcast, the agreeance of three, listen to this, because the other two said, yes, we need to stop and we need to pray. We believe in prayer. And that, that gentleman began to pray. I don't know his name. I'm not uh, into all of that. But I, all I know is, is that he began to pray. And he began to declare healing over this man's life. He began to declare the glory of God on live broadcast. Who knows? Millions could have been watching that day. Let me tell you something. There might be a crisis that we see going on. There might be a, a culture. We, we've, we've called it for years an undercurrent of culture that's trying to overtake us. It's more than undercurrent these days. It is now a tidal wave that's trying to diminish the, the cause of Jesus Christ. It's trying to, to attack our children. It's trying to silence our voice. It's trying to take away the freedoms of religion that we have. It's trying to go against every biblical truth that you and I rely on. It is very much aware and happening among us. But let me tell you, but God, in a moment of crisis... In a moment when everybody wonders what's going to happen, in a moment of devastation, listen, prayer becomes the priority. In a moment when everybody's wondering, oh God, is this man going to die? Has he died right on the field? It seems like everything has paused and prayer begins to take place. I didn't hear, was it constitutional? I didn't hear, well, he can't do that. I haven't heard a naysayer, not one, step up and say, I can't believe he prayed on air. It was something that was miraculous. It was powerful. Let me tell you, when crisis takes place, prayer becomes a priority, and we need to begin to pray. Amen? We need to quit worrying about, is it okay to pray? We need to pray like, like never before. We need to understand that we are the, the power of God in this world. We're the salt and the light. And it's our voice that is bombarding heaven, that rings, the, that rings heaven, that begins to in, activate the power of God in this world. We can't sit back silent. We can't sit back and wonder, well... I mean, it's got to get worse before it gets better. Look, I've been, I, I've, I've been guilty. 
been guilty of saying, man, maybe it has to come to the demise before it can get better. Let me tell you something, folks. We need to pray. It can't just be a metaphor. It can't just be an acrostic. It can't just be something we declare. It can't be just be something we talk about. We can't just be the good thing that Christians do. It has to become the tool in the hand of every believer understanding it is the communication line between the Father and us. It is, it is the communication line between the commander and his army. And we are, the, we are the army of God in a world that needs to see the power of God once again. And if we are not plugged into the power source, we are walking around. We might, we might look like we have power. The Bible says they have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. We, we say, well, we would never deny the power of God. But let me tell you something. If you're not plugged into the source, you've already denied the power. If you're not connected into the presence and the glory of God, if you're not spending the time with him to hear his voice, to be empowered by him, then we are more than just, we're just religious people walking around with culturally religious things going on in our life. For too long the church has sat back and we've, we, we've been silent. But I'm here to tell you it is time to be the voice of God in this age, in this time. It is time to stand in the gap for our lost loved ones. It is time to stand in the gap for our children, our spouses, our co-workers. It is time to stand in the gap for our educational system, for our, our government. Because we need to understand that this world is not getting better without the voice of God. There needs to be a concurring wave and tidal wave of the Spirit of God because the Bible says in the last days that there will be a great falling away. We get that. But it also says in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I don't know about you but I'm ready for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I'm ready for a revival to take place. For something to stir in every single one of us. It can't just be coming to a service on Sunday mornings. It can't just be coming to a Bible study on Wednesday nights. It has to be a daily plan of living before the power of God. God, stir us once again. What will it take? What will it take for our eyes to be awakened to the truth of what the enemy is doing around us? You know, we talk about, we talk about sinners this way. Well, bless God, they'll have to hit the bottom before they ever wake up. Huh? Don't, don't, we, don't we say that? We've tried and we've tried and they just, they just don't get it. They don't listen. But what the reality is, is they don't want truth. They've enjoyed the position they've been in. They've enjoyed the tension that they've got. They've gotten so stuck in the rut that they don't know what's good for them. And therefore, we can say over and over again, you just need to get right. You just need Jesus. You need this and you need that. And yet they continue in the same path they've always been. They might come and, and get to the altar and might cry a few tears, but they, they get up and carry the same baggage that they brought to the altar back with them. But how much different are we? Because we know what it takes to experience the revival that we need, that God wants us to walk in. We know what it means to, to express God's glory. We know what it means to, to see his power manifested amongst his body. And we know what it took to get there before, but yet are we willing to do it again? We can call for revival, and today, about 
20% of the church shows up for revival. We could call for a prayer meeting. About 1% shows up for a prayer meeting. Come on. We want, do we really want the revival that we talk about? Do we really want to see the power of God? Do we really want a latter rain of the Holy Spirit to flow through the church once again? Are we happy? Are we satisfied with just our children doing their old same old same old? Or do we want to pray them into the altars once again? Look, I, I don't... I don't know about what it took to get you to the altar, but I, I know my mom sat at that altar over and over again, and it just wasn't on Sunday morning, and it just wasn't on Sunday night, but she would come to the midweek. She would come on off days and say, can I get into the church? I need to pray. And she would pray at the altar. She would cry out to God. She would snot and snort and, and all that good stuff because she wanted to see her son saved. What will it take? For our eyes to be awakened. What will it take for once again there to be a passion in us that stirs so strong that we can't get enough of God, that we can't get enough of Him, that we want so much more and we understand that we're only just at the tip of the iceberg. God help us. I'm, I'm not... I'm not a politician. I'm not involved in politics. But I recognize that the political system is touching on my Christianity. I, rec I recognize that there are biblical things that they are debating about. About life. I mean, it's crazy that, it's crazy that you can go to jail for shooting or beating a dog, but yet you can murder a baby in the womb. I mean, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking politics, I'm talking the Word of God. For I knew you in your mother's womb. God knew you in your mother's womb. I created you. I formed you. In other words, if, if God has declared that there's life in the womb, then it's life. And for us to go against God, it's not political. It's suicidal. It's a choice of heaven or hell. And do we want to walk on the side of knowing that we have eternal life in Christ Jesus, do we want to walk in the favor and the glory and the anointing of God, or do we want to walk against God? God, help us. <laughs> I mean, we live in a society. Look, the church used to be the revival centers. The Methodist church used to be a revival center. It was in Methodist churches that there were brush harbor meetings where the, where the power of God fell. And yet, we've come to a place where we've been, where, where, where our churches, denom whole denominations are becoming complicit with the falsification of truth. 
And, and we have to be careful that we're not complicit. We have to be careful that we're not complacent, that we just let things happen as if it's okay to happen that way. We, can't, we, we need to become a church that is courageous for the power and presence of God. We need to become a church that is willing to stand in the gap when everybody else is being canceled. Let me tell you, they can cancel me all they want to, but God's already written me down. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. You can cancel me. You can say shut up. You can call me all kinds of names. But I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I know who I serve. I know my voice is being heard by the one that really matters. God help us, right? I mean, look. When Jesus was crucified... Where did the disciples go? Disciples scattered. They gathered together in a place and, and shut the door for fear. That's John 20, 19. They were afraid of what the world would say to them. They were afraid of what the enemy was doing in the community. They shut the door and hid. And I feel like that too many times Christians are shutting the door and hiding. They're afraid of, of what's being said. They're afraid to speak their voice. They're afraid of the ridicule of the enemy. He's gotten so vicious and flagrant today. It's not a hidden voice. It's not a, a subtle thing. It's, it's not okay to be a Christian any longer. It's not okay to, to walk around with your Bible. It's not okay to, to go up to somebody and pray. We live in that society that has tried to diminish our voice. And these disciples found themselves diminished. They found themselves hiding in a hole behind closed doors for fear of what man was going to do. But guess what? Jesus showed up. Jesus didn't walk through a door. He walked through a wall. What does that tell me? It says that there's no walls that can hold him back. There's nothing that could hide him. There's nothing that can keep him from his purpose and his plan. And therefore, we are in Christ Jesus. Jesus stepped into that realm where they stood. He says, peace be with you. Let me tell you something. That transformative moment as he met with them in that room changed the course of every generation since that time. Because those Fearful disciples hidden behind the door became the ones in just a few weeks that were standing in front of, uh, standing in front of the nations declaring the, 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 the things of Jesus Christ, declaring the truth and the gospel of who he is. It is those same ones that, that would not draw back when, when they finally captured Peter and they were going to crucify him. He was so bold. At one moment he was afraid. At one moment he was denying who Jesus was. But at the end he was saying, I'm not worthy to be even crucified like my Savior. And they crucified him upside down because he didn't want to be crucified like the one who saved his soul. He was a life changer. He made a difference. We look at those guys as if they're superhuman or supernatural and yet they were just human beings walking on the earth who had encountered a supernatural person and his name is Jesus. 
And that same Jesus who transformed the lives of 12 disciples and and a nation has still at work today transforming lives. Still at work. That's what the world needs to see. That's what the world needs to hear. That's what the world needs to understand is that we're not hiding we're not, we haven't gone into, into captivity. We haven't allowed them to silence us. We've not hidden behind a door. We're not afraid of what the world may say because we know for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We know that this world is not my home. This world is not my ultimate end, that I have a home in glory and I know who I am in Christ Jesus and I know whose I am in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm supposed to be preaching a Series on Ephesus this morning. That's where I'm supposed to be. But you know, I think that we think that our society, that this is new. I think that we, we, we look and say we've had it so good, and we have. We've been so blessed But there's other societies who've gone through this deconstructionism. Who've gone through the process of of walking away from faith. Walking away from God. Just think back to to, to pre-gospel times in Ephesus when the apostle Paul showed up. We can look at Acts chapter 19 when we see where Paul... uh, Went to Ephesus. And can you imagine going to a place that's never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? I mean, you, we have been ridiculed because we've had the gospel of Jesus Christ since the inception of our country. And we have walked away from him. But yet, here's these cultures and communities that have never heard of Jesus Christ. And Paul the Apostle went in and began sharing the message of hope, began sharing the message of a Savior, began sharing the message of the Messiah that had come. Can you imagine the ridicule that he had? Can you imagine those who looked at him as, as, as this strange person sharing this strange truth? The Bible tells us if we look through and study that, that, that he spent time in Ephesus. Matter of fact, that at one point he spent three years in Ephesus. And, and, and he made such an impact that they began to accuse him and begin to, to, to come against him because the sculptors and carvers of the idols of Diana, the goddess Diana of the temple of Diana, they began to get angry because they were losing their income. Can you imagine if the church began to pray and bars begin to shut down? Can you imagine if the truth of God began to permeate our community and, and, and drag queen events are shut down and, and pornography is taken away? Come on, somebody. And that's what happened. Can you imagine one person? Walking into a community and transforming a community so much so that, that it impacted the economy of the community. And yet, here we are. The Bible says if one can cast a thousand, 
two can cast 10,000. Come on. If we could combine together and unite together as the body of Christ to, to fulfill God's purpose and plan in this time, if we would just begin to truly be salt and light, what would take place? If we would not just be going through the, the routine of life, I mean, how many people know who you are? How many people know whose you are? How many people know that you are a child of the King of kings and Lord of lords, that you've been, that you've been seated, past tense, seated with him in heavenly places? How many know that you hold the keys to the kingdom? Come on, somebody. How many know that you have the authority of God in this world because Jesus has gone to the Father and His anointing and Holy Spirit rest on us and therefore we've been given the keys to the kingdom. Whatever we speak shall be done. And yet we tolerate the sins of the world. We tolerate sin around us in our homes. We tolerate it all over the place. And yet we have the power of God, the truth of God to be transformative to people we can see in Ephesians that he's given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We spoke a few weeks ago and how that he chose us before the foundations of the world. And we've, when you look at what God has done for us, the Father, and, and it breaks these three uh, different sections down in Ephesians chapter 1, and we've been blessed. But the Father is blessed. In other words, it's the same word that we use for eulogize, to, to give praise to what He's done. He's blessed. He's praised. But He has chosen. The Father's chosen us. He's adopted us. He has accepted us into the family of God. Look, we are, we're so busy worried about who we are, but we've been adopted into the family of God. The Son has redeemed us. He's restored us. He's given us revelation. The Holy Spirit has sealed us and get with a guarantee. Come on. That's who we are. Do we live in who we are? Do we walk in who we are? And after each one of those sections, it says to the glory, to, to the praise of His glory. It's not for us, it's for Him. But Paul, in verse 18, begins to pray a prayer. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of, riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in, the, in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. The thing is, is that we will not be able to accomplish what God has created us to accomplish until, we'll be, until we're willing to see as God sees. 
Paul's prayer was powerful. God, open their eyes. Open their eyes, Lord. How many times do you, do you want somebody just to open their eyes? I think that we're at the stirring wheel of life and we see we're about to crash. And instead of being maneuvering in a proper way, we just throw up our hands and, Jesus, take the wheel. We've got our eyes closed and we're just, we're just throwing our hands up like, I don't know what to do. God's wanting us to open our eyes. See who you are. See whose you are. I, I almost feel like I almost feel like that we don't realize that we live in a spiritual realm just as much as we live in a physical realm. You know, the old saying says, I don't want to be so heavenly minded, I'm no earthly good. My Lord, if they only understood the truth. I don't know that we grasp the, the, the truth is, is this world is temporary. We cling to it as if it's the thing that is eternal. We cling to it as if it's what we have to have. And yet it is the spiritual realm that is the eternal. And this is just Time ticking away. It's kind of like looking at a triangle and a circle and saying both, they're both the same. Well, we know that's not true. Because we look at the triangle and say, well, how can you get a circle out of that? And we're so busy trying to make this world our spiritual realm and we look at it as impossible. And yet God wants to take us to a new dimension in himself. A new revelation of who he is. It's kind of like looking at a cone. How many of you have seen those orange cones on the side of the road? And you look at it from a dimensional standard, and in one dimension it's a triangle, right? And that's what we see. We know that when those cones are in the road that we have to move over the lane that we need to move over. It's a caution of something ahead. But yet, when we get into a heavenly dimension, we begin to look down on the cone and we see that it's a circle. We've got to be willing to move past the thought processes of, of our flesh and begin walking in the Spirit because the Bible says this. It says that flesh reveals flesh. But spirit reveals spirit. If we want to experience the anointing and power of God, we have to realize that even Jesus said, My Father is spirit, and those who worship Him will worship Him in spirit and in truth. In other words, He recognized that what we see right here is temporal, and it can manifest false ideas and if we're constantly only looking with fleshly dimensions and fleshly mentality then we will miss out on what the spirit of God is trying to do amen how many read the Bible you've read a scripture as as Miss Beverly was talking about in our Sunday school class this morning 
You've read the Bible and you've read a scripture. She uses the number uh, 1,013. You've read that verse uh, 1,013 times. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden in just one manifestation, you look at that verse and all of a sudden it just blows up in your, in your spirit. And something fresh and something new pops out. You're like, oh, wow, I never saw that before. Guys, I agree. I agree with V that we as the body become so busy trying to do the work of God that we don't stop to be the body of God. And for us to truly get in position, how many know that when when it's talking about you're adopted, you're redeemed. Look, your adoption in Christ Jesus, it's a complete adoption. It's not in process any longer. Right? In other words, quit worrying about your position in God. Trust that your position in God is where it needs to be. Your experience will never match your position. In other words... This flesh is still experiencing the things of the world. This flesh is still experiencing hardships and it's trying to work out salvation as it has been already positioned in me. But when I grasp a hold of my position in Christ Jesus, my experience becomes different because I'm no longer, I'm no longer walking with the idea that I'm trying to gain a position I am walking with the understanding that I already have position. I'm just trying to live up to a position. In other words, Jesus said it this way, walk worthy of the calling that you've been called to. Right? Guys, I really believe that this year is going to be transformative for the body of Christ. I believe that we we are entering in to a season that may look ugly if we're only looking through physical eyes it's going it, it may look very dark but i don't want you to be overwhelmed or discouraged by what you see that's why the apostle paul reiterated multiple times we walk by faith and not by sight. Because if you're only walking by sight, you may give up. You may give in. You may quit. You may feel anxious. And you may feel worried. And you may feel you know, like, I can't do this. But when you walk in the position that you have been called into and have been placed into in Christ Jesus. Because, look, ten times in 13 verses in Ephesians chapter 1, it declares, in Christ Jesus. When we are in Christ, it changes everything. So it brings us to a place of, do we believe that we're entering into a new season? And if we're entering into a new season, are we willing to accept the position that Christ has put us in? Are we willing to fulfill the calling that God has given to us? Look, Jesus came to the world to show the love of the Father so that the world be transformed. Are we able to show the light 
and love of Jesus Christ to a dark and dim world? Are we able to stand in the gap for our children, for our school systems, for our government, for our neighborhoods, for our work, co-workers, for our family? Are we willing to understand that if we stand in the gap that we may, by the world's standards, be hated? That we might be looked down upon, that we might be considered irrelevant, that we might be canceled by a woke culture. But if we will continue to declare the truth and stand on the love of God, then we will see the hand of God move. Look, it's not up to us to move the hand of God. It's up to us to surrender to the hand of God and let Him move. Look, I have sat in situations debating with atheists, with a young lady one time at, at, at school about being gay. Let me tell you something. I can talk about the scientific factors of that. I can talk about biblical factors. But ultimately, God has to intervene. Ultimately, the Word of God is planted as seeds into their heart, and, and my prayer then becomes God change their life. Are we willing to be the ones who are seed planters? Are we willing to be the ones who are waterers of the seeds? Are we willing to trust God to see Him bring the growth in the body of Christ? And the kingdom advancement into the world. It's a challenge, folks. It's a challenge. But we've been given every spiritual gift necessary for the challenge. Don't, don't look at it as daunting. Look at it as exciting. Don't look at it as Man, I've got to play the biggest team in the world. And we're, the, we're just the sandlot guys. We don't know how to play. No, 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 no. Jesus is going to step up to the plate. And look, from our position, we can see the end results. And we know that we win. We know that we win. So why would we not join the battlefield? Why would we not allow God to do the impossible in us? Amen? I'm closing. I didn't tell anybody. But this morning... If you see what I'm seeing, if you're, if you're sensing, this is something that's been stirring in me. If you're sensing what I'm sensing, if you're, if you're feeling the same thing, if you're feeling like, man, we are entering into a new season. And whether you have been like the disciples who have been behind the doors because you're worried about what's taking place on the outside, or whether you have already experienced the presence of Christ Jesus stepping into the room and saying peace be still 
What it boils down to is, are you willing to take your position? Are you willing to step in to this new season, ready, with all of his challenges, to meet the plan of God that he has for you? Look, we can make New Year's resolutions. We can say, this year I'm going to read my Bible through. This year I'm going to attend every service that I can. We can make all these resolutions, but this is more than a resolution, folks. This is, this is about life or death. Because there are souls, when will it bother us? When will it tear us apart that there are souls dying in this community that don't know Jesus Christ? When will it, when will it prick our heart that we get so tore up because there's still people who need Jesus? How many know that everybody needs Jesus, right? Are we willing to take the stand? Look, it's not just, it's not just a now I lay me down to sleep, sleep story. It's not just a storybook that we read. It's not just something that grandma or great-grandma or mother or dad, it's not just something that they did. It is a life that we live. It's a life that he wants us to live verse 4 says just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love man it's a decision we have to make it's not us who presents ourselves holy but it's us who depends on him to make us holy Are we willing to truly submit to Him for Him to see us through? If your heart is stirred this morning, you say, Pastor, I want more. I'm ready for a new season. I've experienced the presence of God. I know what that's like. And I know that there's more than what I'm experiencing right now. I want more. If that's you, would you just make your way down here with me this morning? I'm here. If I was seated, I would be standing up, making my way here. Because I believe God wants more. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. 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 More than yesterday, I need you more. Have your way, Jesus. Stir us, Lord. More than words can say, I need you more. Yes, we need you more, Jesus. Than ever before, I need you more. I need you more. Let that be your prayer.
Father, we recognize this morning that you have adopted us into your family. The word declares in Ephesians chapter 3 that we've been adopted as sons. But Lord, I recognize that that word son is not a small child that doesn't know or is unaware. But that word means that I've been called to a mature son. I've been adopted as a mature son who understands the inheritance that I have received. And Lord, I pray, God, that as the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesus church, that, Lord, our eyes will be open to the truth of what you've called us to, that we'll recognize that it is for your glory, it is for your honor, Lord Jesus, and it is by your grace. And, Lord, I pray that as we come together in one mind, in one accord, as we draw near this morning, recognizing our need for you, Lord Jesus, recognizing that we can't do this on our own. It is only as we're seated together with you. It is only as we are in Christ Jesus that we are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors, but we're more than conquerors. Lord, in Christ Jesus, we recognize that we're no longer the condemned. In Christ Jesus, we recognize that we have been redeemed from the curse of sin. Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we walk in the position that we've been called to, adopted sons, that, Lord, we will walk surrendered to your plan, that we'll walk in the authority which you've given us, that we'll walk in the hope of the calling that you've called us to. Do we recognize that we have the hope of righteousness? We have the hope of heaven. We have the hope of your presence with us even right now in this world. And Lord, there's a world who is seeking for something that will encourage them, something that will trans transform their lives, something that will give them peace. And I pray that we as the bearers of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ will be able to give them the grace of your truth and the peace of your promise. God, use us in this time. Lord, I pray that even right now you begin dropping names, dropping people into their spirit right now, those who you want them to impact, those who you want them to touch, those who you want the message of your truth to be delivered to. God, I pray that we will be not only disciples of you, but Lord, that we will disciple others to you. Lord, I pray your anointing rest upon everyone in this room. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Lord, that you're at work. I thank you, God, for the new season which you are stirring in us. And Lord, just as the word came to us through thee this morning, God, help us to recognize the necessity of sitting at your feet. Lord, help us to recognize the need for, for spending time in your presence that will empower us to be able to do the service. And greater service can be done when we've spent time at your feet. Lord, let your presence stir us, motivate us, empower us. And Lord, may we be the salt that you've called us to be, the light that shines in the darkness. Lord, may we 
counter the tidal wave that is impacting our culture with the power of God that is the standard that will stand for eternity. You are omniscient. You are omnipresent. And you are all-powerful, Lord. Lord, I pray your power permeate. In Jesus' name, amen. I need you, Lord. More than the air I breathe. More than the song I sing. More than the next heartbeat. More than anything, Lord, as time goes by, I will be by your side. Never Marvin, I love you, buddy. You know, there are some folks around this church who've been here for many years. Marvin, when Pappy was preaching back at the old church, I guarantee you they were some powerful moves of God. I don't want I don't want to just have memories of powerful moves of God. I want to have fresh experiences of a move of God. And I pray, man, that, listen, if we need to have prayer meetings three or four times a week, that we open the doors and say, come and pray. We have to transition to a house of prayer so that we can experience the revelation that He wants us to have. But as we transition into a house of prayer, know that it may mean that there's some transitioning that takes place in you that we have to do. But as we make Him the priority, We haven't seen the best yet. We can go through the best days of the last hundred years of Alcoa Maryville Church of God. But I believe the best days are ahead. We're just building on the backs of those who've gone before us. We're just encouraged by the blessings of the, those who have gone and, and forged a path before us the wonderful pastors like Brother McGarity. Listen, this is not a, a backwards look to look down. This is a forward look to say thank you, Jesus, 
for faithful men and women of God. We're still here. I mean, look, in this community, just the church of God, there's been like four different church of gods that have closed. We're still here. That means there's still purpose. I read an article where there's 4,000 4, pastors a year who resign. Think about that. Churches are closing across our nation. Can't make it any longer. Well, guys, it's time to stand. It's, there's truth. There's an empowerment of God for every one of us. It's time to, it's time to get up. Wake up. Get ready. God's going to do something powerful. Amen. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I just feel like giving a big old shout. Happy New Year. I will continue a series on Ephesians as the Lord allows over the next month or two months, wherever how long it takes. But I, don't, I, I, I do believe that the first three chapters of Ephesians deals with who we are in Christ. And then the last three gives us the practical application of what that means. And I, I, I believe we like to focus on the practical application, but we really need to grab a hold of who we are. So the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about who we are in Christ so that we can be who God wants us to be. We're going to sit at Mary's feet. I mean, we're going to be like Mary and sit at Jesus' feet. Sorry. So that we can be the Martha that God wants us to be. Amen. Love you guys. Father, Thank you so much that you are a gracious God. Thank you so much, Lord, for the hope that we have. And, Lord, I pray for this congregation. Lord, I pray that we will be able to reach this community. And I know that we're not the only church. I pray that as we connect with Awake 21 and we're connected to these churches who have the same desire that we have to be able to touch our community the faith the faith and family coalition who is joining together with pastors uh, and communities to, to be able to touch and impact our schools and our and the, the various organizations God help us empower us Lord to be connected empower us Lord to see your hand moving. And Lord, let us grab a hold and take root in the position that you've called us to, seated together with you in heavenly places. And Lord, may we operate from the foundation of who we are in Christ so that we can see the impact of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you just love on somebody, let them know you're happy to see them. Happy New Year.